I'm just going to put it up there. So this week, I was uh, I was ready to preach because I had an extra week off and. I had, knew, I had known before I left last weekend what I was preaching about this weekend. I think I'm still preaching about it, but I think I'm preaching about it next weekend. I'm not sure. It'll depend. So, Thursday night, I was having a little difficulty sleeping, so I retired to a chair. There's a chair in my living room, big uh, footrest on it. I throw my pillow into the chair, grab a blanket, and I'm sitting there in the chair, passed out. Three hours later, my mind begins to awaken before my body does. This happens to me a lot. I don't know if it happens to you. It happens to me a lot. And as my mind begins to awaken, it awakens to something I've been thinking about. Something I've been thinking about for a couple of months. It looks something like this. I shared it with those of you in second look class a while back. That trust and information combined grow the believer towards love and a relationship with God. So that was on my mind. It's a weird thing to kind of be thinking about. But as it began, it began to get more intense in my thinking. And as it became more intense in my thinking, it woke me the rest of the way up. So there I was at 3 o'clock in the morning trying not to wake anybody else up, wandering around the house looking for something to write on. So I pulled one of those, you know, those magnetic pads you stick on your fridge for not forgetting what you need in the grocery store. Got one of those. Went into the, to this can with pens in it that are all dry. And finally found a pencil and pulled that out. And then I sat in the corner of the living room with one lamp trying to keep the light minimal, minimized. And I began to sketch out what I felt impressed to share with you. As I've shared this with a couple of folks this week, my big concern was that this would be understood and not feel like you, were, you had come to a seminar on Sabbath morning. So I'd appreciate your prayers going forward from there. What I want to talk about is defining the walk. Defining the walk with Jesus. Defining what it means to follow him. Micah 6.8 gave us this great, I think, thorough statement about the walk. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. As I knew this verse before I knew it was a verse. It was in a song that I learned before I was a Christian. As I was becoming a Christian, there was, they used to sing this song in my youth group. And the song ended with Micah 6.8. Well, I didn't know what Micah was a book in the Bible. 
How was I supposed to know that? Who ever heard of the book of Micah? Not me. But I think it's a great, clear description of the walk, of what it means to follow after Jesus. God has shown you, oh man and woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Isn't this what we're all asking? Isn't that what was the question when the rich young ruler came to Jesus? What? What is it that the Lord requires of me? What does he want from me? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Is that a reasonable definition of what it means to follow after God? I've discovered, and it's part of what I was writing on the board two months ago, that this is a path with contrasts. There are things within it that seem to to conflict and then sometimes to contrast. Love has been perfected among us. Don't you wish that was true? Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You don't have to have fear in the day of judgment. Stop wasting your heart on fear. Stop sitting at the feet of preachers who are trying to scare you into heaven. It can't be done. Fear is not the motivator that will transform your life. Ever tried scaring your kids into being good? How's it work? It's very motivating for the moment. But it doesn't transform. You can motivate a little boy with a paddle. My principal at my school now, I don't know if they have completely done away with these by some some federal law or something, but every principal I ever had, a, had school with had a, had a paddle in his desk. It was about this long, had a handle on it. There were holes drilled in it. I think that there was some school supply store where you could buy these things. And then you got in trouble at the principal. He reached in his desk and he put that baby on top of the desk so you knew what was coming. Sixth grade. Gino and I got in a fight on the playground. Bad idea. Gino was a lot bigger than me. So luckily, someone broke it up before I got hurt too bad. They hauled us into the principal's office. Principal reaches in his desk, pulls out this paddle, lays it on the desk. I know you two guys. You guys don't usually fight. I didn't even know he knew who we were. You guys are friends. What's going on here today? Oh, yeah, yeah. we made up some reason we were fighting. And then we bent over his desk and we each got a little instruction from the Board of Education. I did not fight in school. But it doesn't mean I didn't want to. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't do it if I thought I could get away with it. You see, fear can stop me from doing something. But it doesn't motivate true heart change. Does that make sense? Love has been 
perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And here's the because. Because as he is, so we are in this world. As Jesus is perfect, loving, representative of God, so those who choose Jesus are. Not by their actions in their hands, but by the transformation of their heart. By a statement recorded in the heavens. These are covered by the blood of Christ and his record shall be their record. As he is, we are. Therefore, love is perfected in us and we can stand in the day of judgment with boldness. You with me so far? Verses 18 and 19, there is no fear in love. See, I didn't just make that up. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Do you know him is a word provided in the English translation? If you took him out, it would say, we love anything, anytime, anywhere, anyone. Because he first loved us. Our love is motivated because we've felt love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I need another T in my trust. When a person gets information about God that tells them who God is, as this information grows and they begin to understand the heart of God, their trust in God grows. And they begin to trust and put their, put their trust in Him more. And as these two lines meet, their relationship with God grows and they begin to love God and they reach a point where fear is no more. You got it? So I knew, or I had been thinking about that for a couple of months. And I kind of understood what God was trying to say, and I was kind of excited about it. I was, I'd shared this with some pastors, just saying, this is what we do. We give people information about God that's accurate, that represents his heart well, that shows you who he is. And they begin to trust. And as they begin to trust, abiding in him, connected to him, they grow till they're no longer afraid. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, how much can you do? You see, we love Because he first loved us. We are transformed because we know we are loved. Our life is different because he loves us. So this is what kept me up from 3 to 4.30. This is the part I'm worried about looking like a seminar. So that's the line of information. Right? That's that same line. It's information. On the one end, you have negative information. If I know you, and I know you to be a bad person, if I know negative things about you, what does that do to my trust with you? 
Trust is on the decline, right? I don't trust you if I know you're a bad guy. If you steal from me, I'm not going to lend you money. I'm not going to give you the care of my house and my car, right? Because you're a thief. I know this negative thing about you, so I'm going to resist. I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to doubt. And frankly, folks, this gets in people in trouble. They know negative information. They still wander along as if things are cool. There's positive information on the other line, other side of the line. You know good things about someone when you know someone cares and you know something good about them. You know positive information about someone. Then you actually grow in your trust in them as you get more information, right? Okay. Would you nod once in a while just to give me a sense of that I'm okay? So if this is true about God, if you can gain positive information about God, it's a natural result that there will be a, a corollary trust growing with your relationship with God, right? And if you have negative information about someone and negative information about God, then doubt grows. These are natural corollaries of the human condition. This is true of all your relationships, right? This is true of your friends, your family, everybody you know. You have that brother-in-law who has never returned your tools, your lawnmower, whatever. What happens when he wants to borrow something else? You know, I just, uh, I don't know. I just uh, can't seem to, I don't know. No, no, sorry. You start trying to figure out a reason to make up an excuse. Well, I can't find my hammer for you to borrow it. What you really mean is, no, you can't borrow my hammer because you don't give stuff back. I don't trust you anymore. It's a natural corollary that if you learn negative information, doubt creeps in. If you learn positive information, trust comes in. So that upper corner, I think, is the life of faith. That upper corner is where positive information of God is growing and trust in God is growing. That's what faith looks like. That's the life of faith. And eventually, you reach that moment where love is perfected, where you truly believe in God. You understand His heart. And when you understand His heart, you can rest completely in Him. That's when faith takes full flower. And you start thanking God for things you're praying for before they get there. Right? You say, Lord, I am so desperate that you do something. I need your, we need your help. Lord, we have one and a half million. We need five and a half million. We know that you are the God of all things. Would you please make that happen? And instead of just saying, would you please, would you please, would you please, next day you start saying, thank you for what you're going to do to make that happen. That's faith finding full flower. That's, I believe in God's heart so much. And I know I'm in alignment with God so completely that I, I, I'm just trusting that whatever His outcome is, it will be the benefit and the blessing that I need. Right? That's that normal, healthy line. At the bottom of this line, with negative information and the increased doubt, is another familiar text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. On the other end of that spectrum, if you have only negative information, what's going to happen to your fear and your doubt? If you only have negative information about God, what's going to happen to your fear and your doubt? It's going to grow. It's going to expand, right? You're going to continue. And and that is a healthy way for you to see the world. It is unhealthy for you to have negative information and react positively. I'll show you what that, what that looks like in a minute. But this is a healthy track. That entire line is healthy. It's appropriate. We get kind of mad at the people down in that corner who don't have any faith. What do they know about God? 
Now, if you know all great, a lot of good things about God and you still don't have any faith, you're in a different place. But if you're in that corner and all you've ever heard about God is that he's mean, he doesn't care, he's disconnected, and in the end, oh, by the way, he's going to burn you forever. You following him? Is this going to give you courage and, and strength and make you want to be his? Make you want to be, be the kind of person that that God represents? You do realize that's what most of the world understands about God. He's mean, he's disconnected, and oh, by the way, in the end, he's going to burn you forever. Have a nice day. Isn't this what you want to do? Absolutely not. The character of God has been maligned by the church of God. The character of God is maligned by the media and the secular world. The character of God is maligned continuously. Somebody has to stand up and say, that's not God. Somebody has to stand up and say, no, it's not like that. He loves you. One of our, one of our uh, folks in this church was, uh, was dating. They happened to be dating a person from another denomination. One of those denominations that if I were to talk about him, you would say, oh, yeah, they understand God. They understand grace. They're good. Yeah, they got that. And this person in our church started telling this other person, about God's grace and his love. This person was a regular church attender. But they didn't understand that God cared about them and that his grace was extended to them and that his mercy covered them every morning. And they were so blown away by this, they didn't believe it was in the Bible. And so this, here's our church member showing this other guy, at this, look, look at this man, look, there it is, it's in the Bible. He actually cares about you. I'm not sure what happened with the dating relationship, but it changed that guy's life. When you get the information about God straightened out in your head, when somebody finally tells you he actually cares about you, he loves you, he's not mean, he's not disconnected, and oh, by the way, he's not burning you forever. You get clear information about the character of God. You know what grows? Your faith and your trust in God. You begin to move towards perfect love, casting out fear, Away from, it makes good sense to be afraid if that's what you think. And it does make good sense to be afraid if that's what you think. That's called discernment. That's called having enough sense to be scared when the bully shakes his fist at you. The information line, the response line, healthy response. Does that make sense? You following so far? Okay, that's a healthy, wise response. There's the other line. This is, this is part of what's unhealthy about our responses toward God. These are the unhealthy lines. This is the foolish line, okay? There's the other side of this coin. Now, negative information and trust, there's something messed up there. You got a bunch of negative information and you're still putting trust out? There's something messed up about that. That's where codependence lives, by the way. Those of you who are codependent, you recognize yourself over here, right? You have a bunch of negative information and you're still trusting. You're the guy who keeps giving your brother-in-law the keys to your car on the third wreck. Yeah, he wrecked my truck, he wrecked my other car, he wrecked my other car. Yeah, he was drunk all three times. He wanted to borrow my car today, so I loaned it to him. And your wife goes, what? She sees you over there living in a negative information trust quarter and she says, you're kind of crazy. 
You have negative information and you still trust? What? For those of you who live in this corner, I want, to, I want to speak to a couple of different types of folks here. There's some of you who are in relationships that you are deeply involved with family, children, spouses, and fear is deep in a part of that relationship. Fear of something. Fear of them. Fear of loss. Fear of something is a deep part of that relationship. There is no fear in love. If you're in a relationship and you're afraid, that relationship is broken. There is something messed up in that. If you're in a relationship and you're afraid, something is messed up in that. If you're in a relationship and you're causing fear, You're what's messed up in that. And I know the church represents all of it. I know we have all of those things in in, in our church. All of us are messed up. There's no question about it. All of us are on this scale causing ourselves confusion, problems. We're having all kinds of issues on this scale. We are all in the messed up phase of the world because we live as sin. But the point is, the walk with God is designed to take you toward faith, towards a moment where fear is gone and love has taken over and you just trust God completely. Your relationships with people are supposed to be the same. Where there's a relationship grows and blossoms and you get to know this person's heart more and more and more. As you begin to really understand who they are, faith in them grows and fear goes away because there's no fear in love. Get it? Over there is idolatry. A lot of codependent parents with their children are idolizing those children. They're not loving them. We think we are. We think that what we're doing is healthy and right. But we have a bunch of negative information And we're still acting like we can trust them. We're responding to a bunch of negative input with with trust. And we're in a messed up relationship. There are believers in this quarter. If your faith... You're going to do a little self-diagnostic for a second, okay? If your faith often leaves you with the emotions of anger and fear, you're over there somewhere you got some confused understanding of who God is. The church is probably one of the reasons you have that information. The church has never been saintly. We've always messed this up because we're always humans trying to convey the, the eternal. It's, it's impossible. But if, if, if the outgrowth of your personal experience with God contains a lot of anger and fear, then you're over there in that quarter. You've got something negative in your true core beliefs about God. You, you've, you don't think he actually likes you or you don't think he actually cares about you or you whatever. You've got some root over there that is making you afraid of him. The path to faith is on the other side where the information is accurate. You can relax in trust and fear goes away.
Now, there's another quarter and another place to look at ourselves. This is the corner of rebellion. This is the place where a lot of us go back and forth. I think we do that a lot. I think, I think we, believers go back and forth between rebellion and faith a lot. Because down here in rebellious corner, we have good information about God. We know He loves us. We know He cares for us. We know He's on our side. But the fool despises wisdom and instruction. You realize Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the fool despises wisdom and, despises wisdom and instruction. And 1 John 4, 8, uh, actually 17 to 19, but the 18 is what's up there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Is putting this whole picture in balance. So if you're down here in the corner, let me give you, a, let me give you the example of, 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 of foolish, unhealthy rebellion that all of you can agree on because it just, it just is. On the side of every pack of cigarettes since the 60s is a little sign. And it says, the Surgeon General has determined that smoking can cause cancer. Right? Okay? That's good information, right? That's accurate information, right? It's true information, right? Do people still smoke? Yep. Yep. They have all the information they need But out of rebellion, out of foolishness, out of pride, out of whatever, they've decided, I know better, I won't get it, or I'm just going to do it anyway. Got to die from something. That's something young people say, by the way. You don't find 80-year-olds going, got to die from something too often. You find 18-year-olds saying it all the time, got to die from something, because they're figuring dying so far off in the future. Yeah, until until that wad of tobacco you keep stuffing in your mouth breaks out into an ulcer and you're worried you might have oral cancer, at that moment you're suddenly aware, maybe I don't want to die from that. It sounds like I'm trying to scare you. I am. There seems to not be much fear down in that corner. There maybe needs to be some. In our relationship with God, we go back and forth with this stuff. We step over the line. We're, 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 okay, God, I buy the information. I'm following after you. I trust you. Okay. And then we say, yeah, but there's this one area where I don't know if you're really got, if you're really clear, God. I'm, maybe you need some information. Maybe I can help you out with the understanding here. And we step over into, I know better than you, God. This is, by the way, where teenagers live. Look at me, teenagers. We all know that it's true. You live in this, I know better than you space. A lot of the time, you don't. Been there, done that, got scars to prove it. How come all you teenagers are suddenly looking down? Did a new program come on your computer while I was talking? I'm serious. There's a lot of rebellion in human life, and there's a lot of it in young people. You guys go after this like it's okay, like it's a good place for you to live. It's not. It's a foolish place for you to go. It's an unhealthy place for you to go. This other quarter is an unhealthy line. Up in the top, you have this idolatrous, messed up relationship with God where He isn't really, He isn't really represented. Something else is represented. We always look at Israel and we say, they worshiped. 
They worship rocks and trees. What in the world were they thinking? Well, if you're not worshiping the real God, if your information is all confused over there, what are you worshiping? If there's fear and anger in your relationship, the natural response of your walk with God from day to day is you start feeling fearful and angry, you're over here. Some negative information is influencing your understanding of God and you're trying to trust Him, but He's really not trustworthy. You're in this weird relationship over here that doesn't make any sense. Do you understand? So I want to ask you, for a little self-diagnosis. I don't want to hear it out loud, but think about it. Where are you? You see, our relationship is supposed to be on a growth track. There's another group I want to talk to. This one was something that was mentioned to me by one of the people I shared it with. They said, if we live right here where there's no growth, We are the definition of the people, Scripture says, are blown about by every wind of doctrine. They're being knocked over there by negative information about God. Oh, their faith grows because they get some positive information about God. Oh, somebody says, you don't really believe that, and now they're in rebellion. Somebody says something that shoots them off their moorings, and now they're out there doubting whether God even exists. You need to grow the information track, folks. You need to constantly be hungry for information about the heart of God because as you discover the heart of God, natural response is to trust Him. And if you're discovering something, if somebody's telling you something about God that isn't implanting trust in you, they're either not giving you all the information, you haven't listened long enough to get all the information, or they're giving you false information. Because the whole point of God coming here was to get us to trust Him again so that He could take us home. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God by walking around the earth showing us what God is like in our neighborhood. Some of you have been taking pictures of the screen and everything. The the deacons have this document. I printed it out because somebody that I showed it to said, you should have copies of this for people. (laughs) So they'll have copies for it. Uh, Yeah, if if you want one, raise your hand while I finish up. So I hope you stay awake while I wrap it up here. For those of you who like these things in boxes, because arrows and lines just aren't your thing, boxes. <laughs> Idolatry up in that left-hand corner causes frustration, anger, pain, and fear. And there is no fear in love. Up in the faith corner, this is where the fruit of the Spirit lives. Love, peace, joy, This is where service and safety are. This is where it feels right to be following after God. I do not have a handout with this one. If you're going to take your picture, take a nap. That's where life in the Spirit lives. You know, we have this ministry fair going on today, and everybody looks at ministry fairs and they think, you know, the church just wants to take some of my time. Yep, we do. But you know why God built it this way? Because when we minister in service to someone other, some other, It builds our faith. God designed it this way because when we find the place where we fit, Eric said it this morning, don't go out there and just get join some some ministry because you feel guilty because they don't have enough people. Join the one that feels like the right fit. 
When you find the one that fits, you will find joy in ministry and you'll find love, joy, peace, service, and safety are all part of what you feel in that right role. When you're in the right place, you know it's right. You feel it. Down in the lower corner, this is discernment. It is appropriate doubt and it's wise fear when you have negative information and it causes you to doubt even when the relationship with God is true. You know what you do for this person? You correct the information. You give them positive information. Now, they may switch over to rebellion if they want, because lots of people with the right information are in rebellion, right? When you're in the rebellion corner, you feel pride and selfishness, and fear is back. Most believers on the right side. And most of us go back and forth between faith and rebellion. Some believers are up on the top, on the left side, and they're struggling because they've got some corrupted information about who God is that they're holding on to or that they have been told. And that corrupted information is destroying their life and their faith. If you have no joy, no peace, if you have anger toward God in your relationship, something's messed up. So I'll close. Eventually the path comes to an end. Eventually the sun sets on the earth and we're done. Eventually your life and mine will end if Jesus doesn't come soon. But here's the truth. Love has been perfected in us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, we are. As He is, according to the records of heaven, we are. We are, according to God's record, just as Jesus is, in fact. If you have accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you have accepted His sacrifice as your own, as He is, you are. And you can stand in the last day and instead of being fearful, look up hopefully, joyfully, expectantly and say, here comes God. What a day. Because as He is, you are. If you're struggling, if if your relationship is loaded with anger and fear, if your relationship with God is loaded with anger and fear, email me, call me, contact me soon. Let's try to figure out where that's coming from. Because there's no fear in love. And you are loved. Let's pray.